My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. The third Sunday of Advent is here, uh, called uh, Gaudete Sunday, Gaudete being the Latin word for rejoice. So today is Rejoice Sunday. Uh, That's why the Advent, uh, the third Advent candle over there uh, is pink or uh, rose-colored. But uh, in the worship of the church, uh, rose, the color... That color symbolizes joy. Now, Gaudete, at risk of boring you with the conjugation, is a plural imperative. I know that's what you guys want to talk about this morning is grammar. In seminary, they teach you if you really want to draw people into the sermon, you just start talking about the conjugation of verbs and the declension of nouns, and people are, are just brought in. But listen to this. In Philippians 4 where St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Greek verb kairo is in the second person plural, present active imperative. So let me break it down this way. In the southern tongue, hey, rejoice all y'all. It's a command, it's an exhortation to rejoice in the Lord. And we rejoice, we are glad of heart, because as St. James says, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Christmas is almost here. The signs that the arrival of the Lord is imminent The clues, if you will, are all over the scripture readings, all over the liturgy. Because John the Baptist is the forerunner of the Messiah. He is the new Elijah. And Elijah was to immediately precede the coming of the Christ. So we have John the Baptist. We have Mary tuning up and singing her song, the Magnificat. She's singing her song. And go read Luke 1. What happens just before Mary breaks out into praise and adoration? What's the context? You see, Mary had gone to the Judean hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who at the time was pregnant with John the Baptist. And when John, this is one of the most profound passages of Scripture, and when John, in utero, unborn, hears the voice of the Blessed Mother, he leaps for joy. It is in that context that Mary sings her Magnificat. So today we're invited into that joy to rejoice with John the Baptist, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, because the coming of the Lord is near. 
And perhaps you would say, yes, the coming of the Lord is at hand liturgically and calendrically. You know, Christmas is two weeks from today. The coming of the Lord is near to us sacramentally. We'll sing the Benedictus, what, in about 20 minutes or so? Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. But you may think that the Lord's arrival at the end of the age and the Lord's arrival in my life, so now we're talking eschatologically and ascetically, you may feel like that arrival is light years away. It does not seem, it does not feel like the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let's deal with the second coming first. James wrote his epistle nearly 2,000 years ago in which he says, as we've heard, the coming of the Lord is at hand. But is James speaking from a human or rather a temporal perspective? The immediate context would seem to suggest otherwise because three times in the span of two verses, he instructs the church to be patient. To be patient. He instructs us to wait on the Lord and on how to wait on the Lord. What does that waiting look like? But before we go further on this, an aside, St. Peter is very helpful in this waiting for the return of Christ because in his second epistle, uh, he helps to alleviate any anxiety which the church and her members might have regarding the length of the interval between Christ's first coming and his second coming. He writes this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow. To fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It is for our benefit and for the benefit of the world that God, from our perspective, delays. St. Cyril of Alexandria put it this way. He said, if God delays the punishment of sinners, it is not because his character has changed so that now he loves sin. Rather, he is giving them time to repent. Therefore, we can say, I can say to you this morning, uh, wholeheartedly, with no sense of embarrassment, say with James, strengthen your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is near. Because the coming of the Lord is near in two senses. That of duration and that of proximity. Duration, because as we've seen, a thousand years is as one day to the Lord. And proximity, because there is but a veil between us and the heavenly reality. When 
The scriptures speak of Christ's return. It's not language of transit, as if Jesus is way out in space somewhere, a long way off, and oh, I'm going to make the journey back to earth. No, it's language of unveiling. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, the Apostle John says. Revelation, everyone's favorite book. The Apocalypse of John. The word apocalypse means the unveiling. So the Lord is at hand because of the doctrine of the ascension, the reality of the ascension. Jesus is not a long way off. He is present. He is seated at the right hand of the Father who has given to us the Holy Spirit. By virtue of the ascension, Jesus is a present king. He is with us until the end of the age. And you know what? James, I think, perhaps gets at this nearness in verse 9 when he says, Behold, the judge is standing at the door. But we live, we do. Our experience is this tension between the now and the not yet. So we need to heed James. We need to learn how to wait on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Is waiting on the Lord like waiting in line for a ride at a theme park in July? Hope not. Is waiting on the Lord like waiting in the car line to pick up your kids from school? I really hope not. Waiting on the Lord is not like waiting on your meal at a understaffed restaurant when you're really, really hungry. No, waiting on the Lord is not an anxious, passive waiting. Or at least it shouldn't be. Okay, God... I need you down here. If you could really hurry up, that would be great. Any day now. What does James say? He says, see how the farmer waits. The farmer is not passive. We're so far removed from living in an agrarian society, perhaps this is lost on us. But the work of a farmer... His waiting is not passive. For months on end, he's, he's tilling, he's planting, he's pruning, he's cultivating. To give another example, waiting on the Lord is, is much more like being entrenched in a battle and waiting on air support. If you've seen or you've read Lord of the Rings, which I hope you have, and those of you who have will appreciate this, you know, 
Those of you who don't, haven't, don't know that, there's Google. <laughs> if you care to know, you can look it up. Right, and Lord of the Rings, they were pretty busy at Helm's Deep waiting on Gandalf to show up, weren't they? They weren't just sitting there, oh, I hope he gets here soon. No, they were entrenched in a battle. That's the sort of waiting that God calls us to, an active waiting of pursuing him. In our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah describes in beautiful language what the arrival of the Lord will mean for the people of God, what it will mean for the cosmos. But what is the exhortation that Isaiah gives in light of the certainty, the certain hope, that the nations will see the glory of the Lord? He says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. Here it is. He will come and save you. The Lord will arrive. Will he arrive on your timetable? Even in your life, in your walk with him, will he arrive on your timetable? Probably not. God loves, and this can be hard, this can be frustrating, but God seems to love, and this is based on scripture, and what seems to be a nearly universal human experience. God loves the 11th hour. But he will come and save you. Our waiting on the Lord is an active waiting, a waiting in prayer and meditation upon Holy Scripture through immersion in the life of the church wherein we are formed so that the eye of our souls... Are, our minds, our noose can pierce through the veil so that our minds can be set on things above so that we can discern, and this is difficult in our modern context, but so that we can train our spiritual senses so that we can discern the Lord's presence in our midst even now. So brothers and sisters, know that the Lord is near. And know that the coming of the Lord is near. His arrival is imminent. His arrival in the Christian year. His arrival on the altar. His arrival in our lives. And yes, even the arrival at the end of the age. So brothers and sisters, this is cause for much gladness. So let us on this day rejoice in the Lord. Amen.